Hey, San Diego First Church family. It is me, Pastor Matt Wilson, with you again uh, in our First Impressions podcast. Uh, this podcast is a part of our uh, our uh, lectionary devotional series, uh, The Living Lectionary, in which we are spending uh, a total of three years together uh, going through uh, the lectionary passages as a, as a way of um, discipleship is a way of understanding how the scriptures shape and form us. And in this podcast in particular, we're spending time with the scripture that will be preached on this coming Sunday. And, and as always, I have Pastor D with us. Pastor D, good to see you. Thanks, Matt. Good to be here. We're going to be looking at uh, the passage for this coming Sunday in which we just have our first takeaways, the first things that kind of hit us as we read this passage. But if you're in the Lenten devotional that we have um, produced, or if you are looking at uh, the lectionary passages coming up, you'll notice that uh, the Gospel of John passage is from chapter 4, verses 5 through 42. Now, that is uh, quite a length of scripture. Um, and for brevity, uh, brevity's sake, we're just going to be looking at verses 5 through 20. Certainly, the rest of the scripture has beautiful stories and is uh, wonderful and edifying, but we're going to be concentrating our look uh, at verses 5 through 20 of chapter 4. And we trust that you uh, can read along and and know those uh, and, and take a look at them. Um, but for us, we're going to be taking a look here at chapter John or uh, John chapter four, starting in verse five through twenty. Here we go. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sakar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well, and it was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone uh, to the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Because Jews did not share things in common with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who is it that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well and with his sons and his flocks and his sons and his flocks drank from it? And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. 
Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, D, what are your first impressions of this passage? Mm. Um, just for anybody who's new, one of the things that we like to do is upon a first reading or an initial reading to just are there things that jump off the page? Are there questions? Are there curiosities that if you have time to reflect might take you deeper? And so that's part of what we do and hope that you do the same along with us. Um, yeah, there are several curiosities to me. I, I, I love, I laughed out loud as you were reading um, the woman's reply that you have no bucket. Yeah, <laughs> you have no bucket and the well is deep. Yeah. How do you imagine getting water? <laughs> Um, I, I love that she takes it literally, but I also love that there feels like there's a little tinge of mm-hmm. a, a jab or something yeah. there. Yeah, I hear your words, big boy, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but are you going to get anything? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Who are you kidding? Yeah. So I, I do enjoy that. Yeah. I also, as um, you and those who have been on the journey with me a long time, um, I enjoy looking at the context of how we get to this place. Um, the verse that immediately proceeds where we started in verse 5 says, now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. And I find it interesting, the um, strong language that seems to be there. Like this Mm. was a necessity for Jesus to do and not the typical route. Probably a surprise to the disciples Um, who were far more accustomed to taking a route around Samaria to get to where they were going. Um, But this um, need for Jesus to go through Samaria, and it one of the questions that arises for me is, why? Mm. Why did he have to? Mm -hmm. Um, I think toward the end of the reading and, and beyond what we read, but verse 34 talks about his food is to do the will of the Father. Yeah. So it makes me wonder... Did he have this pretty clear inclination yeah. that this was part of obedience for Jesus or the Father wants me to go through Samaria, mm-hmm. that there is an, I, I've got a luncheon appointment. Um, yeah. The disciples are going to tag along, but um, I, I've got something coming up around noon <laughs> <laughs> that I got I to gotta be at the well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I never quite know the amount of... Um, the things that Jesus knows before they take place and what mm. in his humanity is um, following the intuitive spirit and and what there is there to teach me. But I love the notion that Jesus was purposeful and it seems was on the lookout for what the spirit would bring to pass and to be prepared for those kinds of things. Yeah. If I'm a disciple, I'm just tagging along and I'm getting hungry and I'm going in town <laughs> getting food. Yeah, I'm hungry. Jesus. Uh... But Jesus seems intentional. Yeah. And I don't know that it's, I, I don't know how I would ever know, but it doesn't seem like it's intentional because I know every detail. Yeah. It's intentional because I know my father's in charge. Mm-hmm. And this day is going to unfold with my father's fingerprints on it. And I'm going to be there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, that's one of the things that jumps off the page to me and where that might take me in my journey if I pay attention to it. How about you, Matt? Um, 
As we mentioned in uh, last week's First Impressions podcast around Nicodemus coming in at night, mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of the night having this conversation. <laughs> what a contrast. A huge contrast here with this woman yeah. being at noon, right? Middle of the day, super hot, all the light, right? Wow. As you imagine that. And I, it's really interesting, at least in my mind, what I immediately went to was setting up a comparing and contrast between Nicodemus and this woman. Which is classic John. Yes. Yeah. Which is classic John. Um, and so I, I immediately went, my mind went there of like, Nicodemus is a, a Jew who is a Pharisee, who has a ton of power, asking good questions, um, but is earnestly seeking, admits Jesus's power and authority, um, and then, you know, wants to know more about what's going on, has, has these questions. Um, you have the Samaritan woman goes nameless, Samaritan, so not Jew, and a woman you know, in a different social standing, even at the time. And whereas Nicodemus is supposed to be like, with the law, knows the law. This woman is clearly, by some accounts, would be living outside of the law. Mm -hmm. Right? And so you have a complete contrast between Nicodemus and this Samaritan woman. And, And yet, like... The, the content of Jesus' interaction with both of them are, are so similar. With like, with Nicodemus going like, what is this to be born again? Like I have to enter my mom's womb and what is that about? And she asks a very similar like, wait, this is water that I don't have to ever drink. I drink, but I'm never thirsty again. Like help me understand this living water aspect. That there's this, Jesus' interaction with both of them is kind of similar despite the the huge differences and makes me wonder around you know the not just the content of like well what does Jesus mean by living water but what this particularly means to this Samaritan woman um, who is getting her water in the middle of the day the hottest part of the day or maybe you know getting hot in that part of the world um, and is having this encounter with another, Jewish rabbi who would be preaching the law in some we now we would affirm it it's a renovation of the law but what does that living water mean to her in that context just makes me curious about how we interpret it yeah yeah it's also interesting to me man I I love the contrast that you build and my mind is racing um, in in bringing these two stories together as really one story um, that Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman separated by place and a little bit of time and separated by so many cultural pieces mm-hmm. are yet used by the author as one story to, to tell one story. Yeah. And there are so many component parts of that one story. Yeah. Like Jesus meets them both right yeah. where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, that the one who should have all the light is coming in the darkness. The one who has probably been condemned for living in darkness is coming in, <laughs> walking yeah. in the noon light yeah, yeah. is fascinating. And then the contrast between their responses. We actually don't know, at least at this portion of the story, the end of Nicodemus's story. Yeah. But we see some pretty powerful parts of her story mm-hmm. where the things that she probably 
wished would have remained in the darkness, yeah. get exposed by Jesus right there mm-hmm. in front of the midday sun and Jacob's well, as yeah. he says, yeah, you've, you've had quite a few husbands there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and let's just be clear. The one you're living with is not your husband. Uh-huh. <laughs> and her response is, uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Guess you're one of those prophets then, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But she doesn't, it's like she doesn't recoil. She, yeah. I, I, she stays engaged. There's mm-hmm. enough, like, yeah. um, resilience in her and curiosity. Mm-hmm. And I would say in all of the differences, I do appreciate that both Nicodemus and this woman are curious. Yeah. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. I don't get what you're saying, but tell me more. Yeah. And I wish, I wish, Matt, I had a better way of acknowledging I don't get all of this thing I proclaim. Yeah. This, um, this kingdom of God, peace, that has wet my appetite, but a lot of of where that takes me is just more and more curiosity. Mm, mm-hmm. God, tell me more because I still don't fully get yeah. all that you're trying to proclaim or I guess even more practically what that looks like today for me. And so this storyline invites me to be equally curious and certainly along with the woman at the well mm, to, yeah. to just say Help me. <laughs> yeah. Help me no more. Yeah. So and the, the this passage is a is a is a big one. Yeah. In a lot of ways. And um my hope, our hope is that you uh dear listener, <laughs> congregant with us at our church, um, that you continue to be curious alongside of us and that we bring that same posture into our worship on Sunday. Yeah. Good to be with you this morning, Dee. Thanks, Matt.